What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. We are joined today from beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Not not on the, well, actually, Ryan's on the strip. But we're going to be talking about the Las Vegas Industry Summit, which is held at not a subpar uh, a off-strip casino like the Orleans, it's held at the – where's the Las Vegas Energy Summit this year, Ryan? The Tuscany Suites. Tuscany Suites. If you know where that is in Vegas, you either live there or you have very low standards for the kind of hotel or entertainment you indulge in. So let's first start off with telling everybody um, how's it going in Las Vegas for you. Well, it, it's beautiful. I'm taking a look at the Cosmo, the Aria, the Vidara. I'm seeing people on the roller coaster in New York, New York. You know, your humble host comps me a room once again, flying into Vegas, get a comp room, staying here, nice little view. Even when I was checking in, they said it had a nice view. So you, when you know they say, when you, you know when they say that, uh, you know, you're going to be looking pretty good. So hanging out, playing a lot of uh, online poker. I'm up 400% playing online poker. I guarantee none of you group breakers or uh, shop owners or anybody in industry summons up 400% playing uh, gambling already in Vegas. So that is documented as well. I'm the number one documented uh, sports card gambler here. So anyways, I'm not at the Tuscany Suites. I cannot see the Tuscany Suites. So I have no. I don't even know where that is. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even want to go there. When you're thinking of the top 100 places that you would want to go to when you come to Vegas, is Tuscany Suites in the top 100? So that should tell you all you need to know about the sports card industry summit. It's held at the F in Tuscany Suites. Might be a nice place. Might be you know an off-strip place. You stay with your wife or you bring your girlfriend. and You're trying to be cheap and, and you want to save a couple dollars. But guys, when you got the Vidara, the Cosmo. The Trump Tower. I stayed in the Trump Tower. Go ahead, Google that right now. Trump Tower, Las Vegas, and you will see one, two, three, four, five star hotel, guys. That's what I do when I come to Vegas. I don't fucking stay in little Tuscany suites. Maybe it gets four stars. Maybe it gets three and a half stars. No, I want to see one, two, three, four, five. Thank you. Or so, free. Needless to say, yeah, exactly. Because when I'm when I'm coming to Vegas and I'm already up four hundred percent. I'm going to get a comp room because chances are I probably won't be up 400% when I leave. <laughs> well, so you're, I can't say that you're, we can't, uh, you know, for full disclosure, my brother's in Vegas, but not necessarily at, certainly not at the industry summit and certainly not there <laughs> primarily for the industry summit. But since you're there, and I'm sure your boy Kevin is pretty excited about you being there, considering the last time you were there, he set attendance records and he uh, had all kinds of group breakers and all kinds of people uh, attending the event when you were there. And now he's now he's at the. Uh, I noticed one of your uh, your tweets today said the the industry summit wouldn't have been able to continue uh, if it wasn't for Beckett Media, which. Uh, you know, purchase the industry summit or the rights to kind of hold the event. Um, how do you think that's going uh, 
How do you think that's going so far? Uh, well, it, it probably serves Beckett's interest. They can promote their grading. They can promote uh, maybe the magazine a little bit, maybe some of their web services, the Beckett Marketplace. I remember uh, a talk when I was allowed to actually go. You're correct. I'm not at the Industry Summit. I'm not allowed to go to the Industry Summit. Um, because, quite frankly, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to kiss anybody's butt. Um, and including the organizer of the event, including the main sponsors of the event. And uh, you're right. When I was here blasting it, it was funny how much more media coverage was here. It was funny that uh, the very first group breakers that came to this, they learned of the event from me and you. So um, attendance exploded when we were on there uh, kind of covering the event. I, I heard that he was making upwards of $50,000. Last year, attendance absolutely tanked. He banned myself, he banned the ITG owner, he uh, banned Brian Gray um, from coming. Brian Gray later sued him. I heard that almost broke Kevin Isaacson. But the fact that Brian Gray sued him, Kevin Isaacson didn't have any money for a lawyer. He didn't have that insurance. He didn't have that contingency plan. Beckett Media, they do have some of that. I'm sure they have a legal, at least legal insurance or something like that for, for stuff like this uh, they get sued. Um, but for Beckett, I think it's a smart move. I think um, whether or not they continue this on in the future, what shape it holds, I don't really know. It's pretty much the same thing. If you went to the industry seven, four or five years ago, it's the same exact thing today. Maybe they have a couple extra panels, a group breaking panel. Um, but literally, you know, it's almost the same presentation. The constant contact um, mail guide, the, the welcome address, the bowling. It's all the same stuff, just another day, you know, the corporate address. And then you'll right. get up there and jerk off and say how great they are and so forth. Brian Gray is speaking this year. I think he's speaking at Monday or something. So, But not a whole lot's going to come out of it because, um, like I said, if you – excuse me, I had to get a drink of water here. a little dry up here in Vegas. Um, <clears throat> you know, if you say anything controversial, either on Twitter or a blog or uh, Facebook or however you want to do it um, – you're going to get banned. You're not going to be allowed to come back. If you say anything negative about Kevin Isaacson, if you say anything negative about uh, any of the sponsors, um, you know, just the way it is. Um, well, that's okay. I mean, it's their event. But like you said, when I was looking through the schedule, it's exactly the same as a couple years ago, only now there's no ballroom. Talk about now the setup. For those of you, I mean, we'll try to do the best that we can to describe, um, but a lot of you probably have been to conferences yourself in either Las Vegas or in Chicago or wherever, and typically there's like a central meeting room or there's ballrooms um, with lots of tables and chairs and things to write down with um, and kind of a podium where people speak and maybe sometimes there's a PowerPoint and stuff like that. Um doesn't seem like that's necessarily the case. Now it's much more um, kind of private meeting rooms, kind of people have rented out what look to be maybe either smaller conference rooms or larger kind of suites and have turned those into kind of presentation areas. Right. You know, it, it's definitely one of the mo most unorganized, unproductive conferences you could come to. I've been to lots of conferences here in Vegas. I was just at one um, in January, and I literally got videotapes of every single presentation. They were professionally done. None of that is available at the Industry Summit. Um, kind of got to pick and choose what you want to go to. Some of the things you're not allowed into, unless you're like a diamond dealer or, you know, an authorized dealer and stuff. 
we're not talking about a whole lot of productivity. Uh, the same people come to this year in and year out and kind of right. support it, the, the, the hobby shops that can afford it. And trust me, there are some hobby shops out there that can that can afford it and, and, and make it out to this event. Um, I was just in a shop here in Vegas, Legacy Sports Cards, yesterday. The guy come in, and you can tell he didn't know anything about sports cards. This guy bought a, about $150 worth of 1990s rookie cards. I'm talking like the Shacks and the, and the Ryan Sandbergs. I mean... Nothing that you couldn't pick up out of a quarter bin, and this guy was paying two, three bucks a hill for. Um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, and people were coming in buying cards. I mean, it's real busy, real active kind of store. Um, buying singles, buying little packs, you know, cheap packs. A lot of times, um, lots of activity going on. So there's some shops out there that can make it, <laughs> and they typically are the ones that are able to make it out to an event like the summit and. And probably, uh, you know, put a better face on it than it actually is. But there's a lot of hobby shops that are struggling, that are closing, that couldn't in their wildest dreams think about a trip to Vegas. I mean, I remember when we had our card store, could we even dream of the, uh, coming to Vegas? No. That's why it would be great if this, there was an online component to this. <laughs> right. If they allowed or encouraged more coverage, if they videotaped a lot of that thing, and even if you had to pay for it, even if you had to pay three, four hundred dollars, to watch every single presentation of the summit, I'd be a customer right there. I wouldn't even have to come. I could just pay whatever, a few hundred bucks, and then after the presentations were done, maybe a month later, I get an e- I get a email and I have access to them. Right. That's how a lot of conferences work. Um, and a lot of conferences, like you said, have a big show floor, big meat market, big uh, kind of display area. Instead, they have these private rooms. You know, GTS, Upper Deck, um, Leaf, maybe. And you can see who clearly pulled out a lot of money this uh, uh, pulled out, I mean, spent a lot less money this year was Panini. Usually they're the ones kind of making a big statement. They've got a, they've got a table. They've got a lot of people there. It's crickets over here from Panini America, which is pretty surprising. I don't know if there was some fallout uh, with Isaacson or um, just, a, just a strategic decision, but I mean, I'm sure Panini's going to do their black box and they'll announce something here. Maybe it's, maybe it's the uh, acquisition or a merger with Upper Deck. Maybe it's uh you know, some kind of patch database or improvement to the Panini points or whatever they're going to come up with and people are going to spin it. Just keep in mind anything that comes out of here in terms of Panini is from people who are going to get a free $500 black box. Let's just keep that in mind. You know, I think you were one of the only people last year. Trust me, I have a pretty sharp memory when it comes to this shit. You were one of the only people that kind of called spade a spade on this Panini points that it was just a straight money grab from Panini. Oh, well, I love it. Else was lauding, I love it for Panini. Lauding it as game changing, game changing, <laughs> game changing from the collector's perspective. The only thing it was game changing for was the pocketbook of Panini America because they were saving some money not having to ship you uh, redemption cards they owed you. That's game changing. <laughs> that was the only thing game changing about it. Well, the the other thing I noticed from looking at the schedule, like you said, it's the same maybe half a dozen to a dozen people in the industry every year. Kind there's there's not a whole lot of new blood. Yeah, there's some kind of group break pavilion, but I think there's I mean, there's what? Three or four of them there maybe at the most. Do we, hey, do we want to review about the cricket pavilion at the National? Now again, me and you both clued everybody into that that's what it was going to be like, cricket pavilion and it was. So do we need to review that video? I have that on video, okay? We can review that, if you guys like. 
Right. So I'm sure anything going over here at the Tuscany Suites Industry Service is Cricket's Pavilion in terms of group ranking. So go on. Sorry. Yeah. I, I just I just see it as, like you said, anytime there's any kind of new voice or challenging voice in this industry, they're put off to the side. They're, they're uh, you know, banned or not allowed to participate when those voices were participating attendance at these events were much higher now we'll we'll give the benefit of the doubt um we were talking off air a little bit you know beckett acquired this asset if you want to call it that um late and likely in las vegas you know unless you have an unlimited budget to find a ballroom you know less than a year out it's probably pretty tough and so you know we'll give maybe them the benefit that Finding the Tuscany Suites, which is just off the, you know, it's behind the strip, basically, um, might have been all they could have came up with. And maybe next year, maybe next year will be uh, an improvement. Maybe they're able to I go th- back I think to the they are, I, I think they already decided uh, the date of next year. I don't know about the location, but I know it's actually supposed to be, I think, in February next year. And another thing, too, I should point out is I don't uh, – Beckett wasn't the one who banned me from going. That was before Beckett took over. And to be honest, I was not uh, officially banned this year. I didn't try to find out. I'm not the type of person that once I actually bring, I brought business to the industry summit. I brought hype. I brought buzz. I brought, to trust me, I brought a lot of people that wouldn't have either heard about the industry summit, uh, shelled out all the money, and came out to Vegas. So I brought business to Kevin Isaacson. He decided to not let me come. And trust me, when that happens, he would have, I've told people this, people always tell me, oh, why don't you call him? Why don't you go back? Why don't you do this? Why don't you call Beckett? I'm sure they'll let you back. Kevin Eisen would have to fly to Stockton, California and get on his knees and blow me, literally blow me to get me to come back to Vegas. But that's literally not going to happen. I'm not the type of person that gets banned from one year and then, oh, can I please come back to the Tuscany Suites? Oh, my God, you know, can I please come back? I just spent five days in spring training. So it's obviously that I don't got a whole lot to do. You feel me? So, the, you know, the fact that I can or can't go to the industry summit, to be honest, just water right off the bat. Because like I said, I just spent a week in spring training, just chilling, watching baseball. Exactly. To be honest, me and your podcast host, probably about two of the best people that should go to the industry summit. Because, oh, guess what? We used to have a card store. We went broke. And now look how we've been able to turn things around. How many of these motherfuckers every fucking day? I wish I, if I had a dollar for every motherfucker that came up to me and asked me how to make money on the internet, I'd be able to buy a box of flawless today, outright, straight cash. If I had a dollar for every single group breaker, every single person on the fringe, every every website on it, ask me how to fucking make money online. So it's obviously people got a clue. But boy, <laughs> motherfuckers could just pack up and go to spring training. I was just, we were just in Vegas, what, last month? Two months ago, January. In January. Boy, it doesn't feel like long ago. So no, trust me, I'd be I'd be in Las show. Vegas. I'd be in Las Vegas right now. But when I remember you called me and we're like, "Oh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about going to Vegas uh, during the week of the entertainment." I was like, "Cool, cool." And I looked over to my wife and I was like, "Yeah, uh, I, I think I want to go too." And boy, <laughs> I almost—I mean, I haven't even been married a year, and it almost—it almost ended very quickly. Wow. So I had to. Well. 
put the otherwise I'd be there. I'd be there kicking kicking back playing poker, uh, you know, going out having uh steak dinners or whatever it might be uh in Vegas, but uh you know, when you get married, you have to pass it through pass uh, decisions like that through a third oh, party yeah. and such third party had no interest in me returning and keep in mind my the third party is is studying uh school right now and is basically working her butt off to pass classes and and I was going to go off to Vegas for the second time in 2 months or in like 6 weeks so figured maybe another time well guys everybody listen to this podcast first lesson for you right there you, you know you're making a tough decision if you're getting married you know cuz uh <laughs> you know giving up that you know a Vegas lifestyle you know, and it's not like, and it's not like I'm going down and eating a Kentucky Fried Chicken yet. But I'm looking at my leftover back from fucking Mastros the other day. Again, Google that. <laughs> wow. Bandera, actually, Bandera in Arizona. Again, it's probably only like a, a four-star rated place. Actually, a, a, a restaurant in Sacramento that I've never been to. I need to go up there. Best prime rib I've ever had. It's like forty bucks or something. Definitely Bandera. It's on Scottsdale Road, right there by the Giant Stadium in Arizona. Again, check that out. So, you know, again, it's not like, yeah, I'm not eating fucking KFC uh, right around the corner from the Tuscany Suites, guys. <laughs> so, you know, figure some things out. Maybe that's why I have some strong opinions. Maybe that's why your host has some strong opinions. Well, speaking of... Because uh, find some success. Spe- speaking of opinions, you, you uh, spit off a couple uh, today on Twitter... We'll run through a few of them. Uh, seems like people think it's a lock that Panini will have the baseball license in uh, 2020, five years from now. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that a lot and from people that, you know, aren't just fucking idiots. So some, you know, people that I trust, people that I've gotten information for in the past to tell me this. I don't, <laughs> you know... To be honest, the MLB to me is different. They like to work with American companies, and don't let the name Panini America fool you. Panini's not an American company. Um, all that money is tied up overseas. Now, with a new commissioner and and some things, you know, to me, four years is a long way off. Uh, Tops is really invested in this digital game app, Star Wars, you know, Bunt and stuff. They're really spending a ton, a ton of money. Um, that I don't think gets enough, I don't think back at that coverage of how much money Tops has spent on these video games. And, you know, you could, you could, uh, you know, you could, you could, lock, you could fill the Tuscany suites with how many people prefer Panini over Tops right now, which is crazy to say. Um, it shows you how weak Tops must be if people think Panini's making sets. But, uh, you know, the, the license, they have an exclusive through 2020. <laughs> Excuse me. To me, that's a long ways away. I think some things like uh, so. Tops is the um, Tops is the highest sponsor of the Arizona Fall League, and this is their last year, um, or this is coming up to be their last year sponsoring that uh, the Arizona Fall League, and this is their renew year. So I think if you start to see like, what if they don't renew with the Arizona Fall League? Um, and do like a moment hitting challenge. And that means they're spending less money on baseball. That could be a sign that they're thinking about, you know, changing something. 
they'll start negotiating that, I'm sure, in like 2018, 2019. I mean, it won't go all the way to the buzzer right. there in 2020. You'll probably hear about it much like you did the football. What if Danini sneaks in like they did with the football and just signs an NM, uh, Major League Baseball Players Association exclusive? Right. You know, and just does that. I don't know how the licensing works in the MLB. Who do you got to go through first? You know, every, I hope people listening to this knows that you have to have both licenses, or that's what Tops has. That's why Tops has, you know, a leg up on Panini because they have both licenses. They have the players' associated license and they have a properties license. They call it a properties license. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I, again, these are things I'm hearing, but I personally think it's a little, I think we're a year away from even, even, uh, starting that discussion about what would happen with that, unless Tops get sold, unless, uh, you know, something happens like that. Uh, right. But I, I, I think Tops is spending so much money on these video games. I think by by 2020, they think they're going to see a return from those, and maybe that'll spur them being able to uh, keep the exclusive in baseball. Maybe it'll be a shared license. Maybe, uh, who knows? That's, to me, that's a long ways away to start thinking about that. I think the more pertinent thing is what's going to happen with Upper Deck. Again, it's something that I've reported on uh, that Panini's interested. Again, I was the uh, first person to put my name to and document that uh, Panini was going to get an NFL exclusive license. And uh, I was the first person to document and put my name to uh, Panini's going to get a CLC license. It's funny how I, after all these things happen, people like to say, oh, I knew that all along, or oh, I heard about that a few months ago. Why don't you document and put your name to it? whether on Twitter, whether on a website, whether however you want to do it, because that's what I've been doing. So again, you can basically call me the number one documented sports card uh, reporter <laughs> in, in the whole game. Because when I hear something, I don't just say, oh, well, I shouldn't tweet that because top, some fucking 20-year-old employee at Tops might get mad at me. You think I give a fuck? You think fucking any of my jokes coming from sports cards? You're thinking I'm sitting here on the 20th floor looking at the fucking city center that any of my dough came from sports cards? You think I just spent a week in spring training because I'm sitting around busting boxes? Come on, guys. I didn't when the stock market ran up. God damn, I remember when it was like, like 7,800 the Dow. And so now it's like 17,000. When was the last time one of your cards went up? fucking 100%. So, they should have a, a what to do like a like what to do when you actually are successful in the business because it seems like you had some tweets today um about group breakers. I remember a couple years ago those guys were waving their uh you know what around talking about millionaires and bazillionaire oh, group breakers. And now it's, you know, I mean, we're like we like we assumed. I remember the 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 host of the industry summit, Kevin Isaacson, scoffed at the fact that uh, one blowout cards or DA would would get into group breaking, which they certainly did. But at the same time, it will consolidate the business because, um, you know, only a certain just like how there's. The same six people are presenting at the industry summit every year, talking about how well they're doing and how you could do better as a card shop. Uh, the same six group breakers are the only ones carving out a uh, you know minute profit from things. So, well, what's your vibe from the group breakers uh, this year? Well, you know, like I said, 
it's consolidating. Like you've been saying, it consolidated. After the Crickets Pavilion, I was pretty much writing on the wall. I think you felt sorry for them. Even I felt sorry for these guys a little bit. Who, again, in 2012, these guys had a boner the size of the fucking Aria Tower over here off, off Andrew Luck or Robert Griffin and Russell Wilson. These guys thought it was going to go forever. Literally. Anybody could have made money on 2012 football. Anybody. Anybody. That was a once-in-a-generation draft class, similar to LeBron, Wade, and Carmelo. Once in like a decade, maybe two decades, you get one of those. It doesn't happen again. 2014, everybody thought, oh, it's going to rocket right back up. You got Luck, you got, or you got, excuse me, Manziel, you got Bortles, you got Bridgewater, and they went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Cleveland Browns, and the Minnesota Vikings. I know the NFL is popular, but those aren't exactly the who's who in the NFL. And I can't even, can't even remember the last time even any of those teams had a good quarterback. But can you name one? Oh, that was cricket, similar to the group-breaking pavilion. Again, sports cards is driven by the rookie market. And it's funny, I, you know, if I wanted to be a jerk, I kind of feel sorry for these guys. If I wanted to be a jerk, I can name every single guy that's come up to me and ask me, how do you make money online? I hear you have all these websites that you don't ever have to work on. Boy, wouldn't that be great? Isn't, wouldn't that be great? Isn't that the greatest idea you've ever heard of to have some fucking websites that you never have to work on that you make money on? Isn't that like the holy fucking grail? Yeah, I'm still, I've been working all week on a couple different websites, so I'm still waiting myself <laughs> to not work on any websites. But, you know, they, if you stop working on them, the minute you stop working, you're going to stop making money. So, I mean, it's kind of a misnomer maybe that you don't work on them or neither of us work on websites. Um, but if, it, if you're passionate about it, and you enjoy the challenge, then it's not work at all. You don't even have, you know, it's not like no one's sitting there pointing a gun at my head all week making me do what I'm doing. I'm doing it because it's it's a challenge. And, um, you know, if, if it works out, you make money. If it doesn't, whatever, you move on. Um, did, you, did you have to sort any cards today? No, I didn't have to sort any cards. I didn't have to. The did thing you have is to with, go on a webcam? Didn't have to go on a webcam. I didn't have to buy inventory. That's the problem with, um, you know, people wonder, oh, how can you make money online? How can you set up a website and never work on it and make money? Well, you know, something like that, if, if you have to ask around how to do that, you know, there's some skill involved. You're not going to be able to do it. How, how do you make money buying and selling cards? Well, it's really not that hard. I think my nephew, who's only eight or nine years old, I could probably explain to him, oh, you just need to set up this account, call these people, at, they'll, they'll send you a price list, they'll send you their inventory, you call them up, you order it, they ship it to you, and then you sell it. You either list it on eBay or you, uh, you get on a webcam. It's not really that hard. That's a really not a very difficult way to make money. Um, and so, therefore, your profits are going to be minuscule. And that's why group breakers are probably asking you why they uh, – other ways they can make money. Um, because group breaking in itself, um, like we've said for years on this program, um, it's just not a very – it's not a very good 
business model. So it doesn't surprise me there's only about three or four of them left. What three or four? You're probably a little closer in tune to this than I am, but who's left? Who's left in the business? I think when you're talking about people who regularly do breaks, I think you're talking about Firehand. You're talking about Blowout NBA. You're talking about uh, Layton Sports Cards. You're talking about Mojo Break. You're talking about uh, some on on Breakers TV that might be associated with, like, Ripping Wax. I think there's some, uh, like, a Bateson or something. Um, there's probably three or, I don't know, a few on Breakers TV. Again, there are still a lot of pretenders, a lot of guys who are jumping in and out. They try to do a case here. They do a case here. Are you supporting your family? Are you supporting your wife? Are you putting money away for retirement? Are you getting ahead? I, I... One of the biggest problems with this, with group breaking, and I was actually wrong about this because I think at one point I thought, you know, these guys think they're celebrities and they're really not. Um, their ego's a little too big. To be perfectly honest, they kind of are the star of the show. Okay? Um, and I'll just use an example. I'll just use an example like somebody like Firehand, right? So Firehand, uh, you know, has a loyal base of customers. He's probably one of the most successful breakers in terms of probably, you know, the amount of product that he's opened. Um, but let's say, for instance, like Firehand was like, hey, Ryan, come every uh, Tuesday and, and Wednesday and you're going to break parts for me. And whatever, he'll pay me whatever by the hour or whatever. Maybe I do it for free. Um, it's a different experience. His customers like to watch Firehand open the cards. Right. Firehand is great, which can sometimes take hours. Especially if you don't have all the spots filled, so you go live and then you you know take thirty minutes to fill a spot, and then you got to do the Excel sheet and the randoms and the and all this stuff, and then you got to open the product. <laughs> so while these guys might be able to outsource some of the shipping, some of the sorting, some of the kind of grunt work, as far as physically being on camera, a, a Rich Layton, a Mojo Break, a Firehand. Uh, you know, these, I, who, there's a guy who does it for Blowout. I don't know what his name is, but he's kind of the one main guy. These guys are the star of the show. It'd be like having Seinfeld and you've replaced Jerry Seinfeld or you replace Kramer or you have Pearl Jam and you take Eddie Better out. Would you really want to go see it? Right. No, you, you know, only so you turn some of your customers away. So that's one huge problem. With the business, I think some of these guys thought they were going to be able to scale up. They were going to be able to add breakers. They were going to, you know, break 24 hours a day with, you know, a, 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 a network full of breakers. It's just that's not the case. You actually physically have to sit down and like a job, like a job. Maybe maybe when I say, oh, don't work, or you have these websites you don't have to work on, I don't have to clock in and clock out. That's the whole point of being an entrepreneur. That's the whole point of running your own business at a time so that you're not tied to a, a time schedule. You breakers, you essentially have a job. Yeah. When, the, when, when you, it's time to go on, you're clocking in, and then whenever the break's over, you're clocking out. So you might, you know, it's a, it's a glorified job that really is a low skill. How many people can break cards? You know, I mean, we're, we're not, the barrier of entry's pretty easy. And yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a skill, it, you know, you gotta be good at communication, you gotta be a, a good showman in some sense, you, you gotta be able to, 
but you're not compensated for that. If you were compensated, if you were making sixty thousand dollars a year, or fifty thousand, or even in some smaller towns making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, you'd be doing okay, and it'd be it'd be a good thing. It'd be a good thing for you and your family. But you know, I just don't. uh, You know, outside of the uh, rare, great draft class that just catches people, uh, you know, on fire. Um, it's just not going to happen. Right. When you have an off year or you even have consolidation as you're having in the card, you know, there's going to be less products that are coming out, um, you know, in football or it, it, it just, when you have a, an off year or a bad year, people get, you know, tired of 2014 and 2013 football real quick. That's really been the, the kind of the, the, the leg down for the group wreck industry is the fact that 2013 football was such a blast and then 2014 was going to kind of kind of save it and kind of bring you back you know to even and it really didn't there's a lot of small time people who you know they break a case here they break a uh, box there there's not a lot of people who are feeding their family with this uh with group breaking so that that alone should be kind of alarming because there's not that many people who have a, a store who are feeding their family. So where, you know, where is the money? You know, and, and then you look at the downsizing of the, ind- the quote, industry summit, the only, you know, a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things have multiple conferences per year. There's multiple, you know, dozens oh of conferences in Vegas. You know, this is the only quote unquote sports card conference. And it's at the Tuscany Suites in Las Vegas. Again, if you come to Las Vegas and wrote on the flight over the top 100 places you wanted to visit while in Las Vegas, the Tuscany Suites would not make the top 100 of anybody's list, period. I mean, crappy casinos like the Excalibur. It doesn't, yeah, Excalibur, well, I've stated Excalibur, we'll we'll move on. But, um, you know, uh, again, it's... It's not necessarily that it's at the Tuscany Suites. I mean, it was at the Orleans before that. It doesn't necessarily – sports cards doesn't have to be at the Bellagio or at the Wynn or something like that. But there's no show – sounds like there's no show floor. They've – the years that they've done well, they've – the host of the event has done the best he could to alienate the people that helped him set attendance records May actually make money, um, you know, create momentum from year to year to the event. Maybe add something new to the event instead of meeting with the distributor who's really just trying to bend you over backwards uh, every chance they get. Or meeting with the company that's always going to tell you, oh, I care about you, oh, I care about you, when they don't care about you. They're going to put out product and it's going to go down, it's going to be a blowout for less than what they just sold you, sold it for you or pre-sold it to you. So and then you're gonna oh you're gonna meet with the constant contact guy when no I guarantee you less than ten people in the whole building have an email list that they can even send to um, or have the capability to build up an email list. So and then it's gonna be uh, I don't know if the, I I'm guessing there's gonna be some gaming uh, presentations. There's gonna be some people talking about gaming how they're doing really well how they're you know oh the Pokemon. 
Pokemon cards are still. I was at a at a school the other day, and these kids had binders of Pokemon cards. And I was like, "Oh, cool, Pokemon! You guys like Pokemon?" And they were like, "Yeah." And I was asking them if they play the game. They don't play the game. They don't know anything about the game. They just like to have the Pokemon cards. And you should have seen their faces when I asked them if they collect baseball cards or if they've ever opened up any baseball cards. They looked at me like I was some just despicable old man asking him some question from Mars. Here's some kids with Pokemon cards. They knew, they would tell me, one kid told me exactly where they were in Target. He was like, oh yeah, they're right. You know, you walk in and then, there they are in Target. And I was like, wow, this kid knows where to buy them at. Knows all about the Pokemon characters. And I asked him about baseball cards and it's, it's a stone-faced like confusion look. Should well, tell you a lot about uh, the industry. It should, and and Tops, Panini, and Upper Deck are coming out with 28 sets in the next two months. So in the next 60 days, approximately, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops are coming out with 28 different products. That's almost one every other day is coming out. And none of them, you know, none of them are going to be memorable. None of them are going to stand the test of time. All of them are just a straight money grab. How are they really taking time in these sets and, and fostering people to collect them and and uh, and kind of build a build a brand, build interest in these sets when they're cranking them out every other day? There's something like like four, like five licensed NCAA licensed sets from Upper Deck and Panini coming out in the next like two or three weeks. Hmm. Do, do we really need that? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, and, you know, the cycle just starts all over again with Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, and, and all these guys are supposed to be the next greatest thing ever. Remember what happened the last two years, guys, when Johnny Football was supposed to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, yeah, maybe Blake Bortles and, and Teddy Bridgewater aren't that bad. They play on the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Minnesota Vikings. And when Andrew Wiggins got traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the guy could have a, be averaging a triple-double and nobody would give a crap. It makes a huge difference what team these guys land on, guys. It's and just a gamble. A it's fitting that you're in Vegas because the, the industry is a gamble because you not only have to have good rookies, they have to be drafted and put into very good situations. And then at the same time, uh, the companies. Uh, even when they do, like this year, 2014 Topps Chrome Football, which had a tremendous amount of demand and interest and, and excitement and, and, and promotion before it even came out. Well, the company then puts a bunch of crap in it and, and barely delivers on what collectors expect. And the price goes down, the interest and the, the whole brand image goes down the tubes instantly. Um, so Instantly. And these guys aren't going to come running back. But here's the thing that I don't think anybody has a number for. What does it cost to acquire a brand-new collector, kind of a lifelong collector, or, or somebody who's re-emerging from the, the hobby? The amount of collectors that are leaving and what it would cost to bring uh, enough back in return would cost a fortune. That's why it just slowly kind of trickles, 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 trickles down. It's because the, the amount of money it would cost to bring in one of these kids to stop collecting Pokemon cards and start collecting baseball cards would be a fortune. And nobody has that kind of money. 
not Panini, not Topps, not Michael Eisner, not anybody. It costs to acquire a customer. How much? If you're a group breaker, what does it cost you to acquire a customer? You have oh, no idea that you number. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. Then don't All say you I do is sit on I, Twitter and just blast right. on Twitter. And I would tell them if they have no idea how much it costs to acquire a customer, they have no business setting up a website because if you don't know what it costs to acquire a visitor to your website or what that visitor is worth to you then you're you're going to fail miserably at running a website as you did group breaking. You're going to make about as, the same amount of money. So, I mean, nobody knows that, you know, how, and then think about how many collectors are leaving the hobby. You know what I'm saying? It, it, think of it like a business. If, if, if Walmart had more people stop shopping there than started shopping there, well, eventually the business would go under. Because it would just, you know, the churn. They call it churn in the cell phone industry. I don't know what you really want right. to call it. I don't That's want to use fancy terminology. But, you know, when your churn percentage is huge, like in the cell phone, I know Verizon's was like, you know, 3 or 4%, and they were always like tripping off that. I mean, that's low. Think about it, what it is from sports cards. How many people just stop collecting? Or cut you know, back, or, about, you know. Or cut back, or, or, or uh, move on. Right. I mean, since the 1990s, we're talking about, you know, a huge number, 90% maybe, of people have stopped collecting cards. How do you bring the, how much would it cost to bring one of those people back? How much it would cost to bring somebody new back? Somebody who has no, you know, never collected cards. How much would it cost to bring them in? Nobody knows that answer. Nobody's working on that. And that's Nobody has a, any clue. That's the that exact kind of thing they should be working on at the industry summit identifying their customer, identifying how much it costs to acquire them, uh, help giving resources to new shops and existing shops. You know, hey, we know it's $48 to acquire a customer. We know it's $60 to acquire a customer for group breaks. Here's some resources. Right. What is what is the $68? Are you, is it AdWords? Is it flyers? Is it newspaper ads? Is it like a co-op? You know, what? It, what how, how, how are you spending dollars to acquire the, those customers? And and uh, I think it's, you know, people are just little, you know, uh, loading the gun and, and pointing and shooting, you know, or they just get on Twitter and think, oh, I'll just blast on Twitter or Facebook or something and I'll just get customers. You know, they have no sense about how the Internet works or how maybe uh, how, to, how to get visitors to the website, how to convert those visitors into, into real money, what landing pages they should be landing on, you know, all, all sorts of things. Um, a lot, since a lot of it is moving toward the web, since group breaking and, and online. So even when I was in Legacy Sports Cards yesterday, very nice sports card shop, been there a long time, I believe, uh, probably, does, probably does okay. Um, when the mailman came, there were all of a sudden about 35 bubble mailers appeared. Where do you think those are sold? I'm assuming eBay. Maybe they have a, a site. I'm, I mean, pretty much I can, you can assume eBay. Everything's online. If you're doing anything online, whether you have a shop, whether you have a group writing site, whatever it is, there's an online component. And if you don't even understand how the web works and you think the only way to build up your reputation is through Twitter or through social media, that's the only way you can get people to come to your website. You know, and you're not collecting emails. You know, why? Why? You know, people think, oh, well, nobody reads emails again. Why, when you sign up for Twitter, Facebook, pretty much anything, they ask for your email. 
They don't have to. You don't. You wouldn't need your email to sign up for any of these websites. They want your email so they can blast the fuck out of you. So maybe you should start doing that to take a clue from every single successful uh, online business and start collecting emails and, and, and hopefully you can send out some good newsletters and learn how to convert, uh, convert some buys and convert some opportunities through your email list. That's very archaic, you know, way of doing things, but, you know, I think we have to take one, you know, we're at the Tuscany Suites here, so you got to take one step at a time to get to the strip. You know, you got to take baby steps, and maybe you got to stay at Bally's before you stay at Aria. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's no reason. This is what I don't understand. It's probably forty bucks, fifty bucks to stay at the Tuscany Suites. Maybe more, maybe less. Come on, it's not that. I mean, even if it's like hundred and it's like a hundred and twenty right now. Probably midweek, even on the week. I was looking. Um, even the full rate at the at the M property that you're staying at. Even the full rate was just, you know, just not very expensive. That just shows yeah, you where yeah. we're at in this industry. You could be staying across the street at the Bellagio for one ninety nine. You could go up the street to the Wynn for one ninety nine. You could be across the street at the Aria for, probably for less than two hundred bucks, and it'll be a nice room. Yeah, you can stay sure. at the Vidara. You can stay at the Cosmopolitan. You can stay at Caesar's Palace. I know Caesars is a mess, but Caesars Palace is not bad. Some of the some of the rooms there and some of the towers there are pretty freaking nice. The New York, New York is not that bad. Uh, the, just anywhere. Yeah, but you know from experience when we run a nice car shop, that extra fifty hundred bucks—it's a lot. <laughs> you know that was your that was that, that was the chocolate milk at night. That was you know yeah. eating the next week. So I can understand how. You know, times can be tough. Times are tough for a lot of people. Um, they're not making the kind of money that they want, um, or maybe that they for for how hard some of these people work. If you're if you're sitting in a card shop all day, if you're sitting in front of Baker's TV, a webcam all day, you know that that's a lot more. That's a lot more quote unquote work than what I've done. Maybe uh, you know some of my work is more technical. It's, it's on the computer. It's analyzing stats. It's Actually, you know, I'm I'm trying to answer that question myself. Is what is it costing me to acquire a visitor? Uh, how much is that visitor worth to me on this website, on that website, on that website, on that website, on that website? And also, you got to diversify. I know we we uh, if this is how good my memory is. I know that the last time we talked, I said that we were going to have to talk about that the next time uh, at the at the national that we were going to have to talk about diversifying your income. Um, and, and to me, that is that is the only way you can go with cards. Um, you know, cards maybe, I, the way I look at it is for a lot of people, cards should be the stepping stone. Maybe you start with cards. Maybe you have a little success with cards. But move on to something else. Don't let cards suck you in, especially if you aspire to be an entrepreneur. If for some reason you aspire to be a card shop owner, you aspire to be a group ranker, but that's what you quote unquote really, really want to do in life, then go ahead and do it. But if you want to make money and you want to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs don't stop at one idea right. and stop at one website or one business. You need 10 different businesses. There's a reason why the guy who founded Twitter is doing Square now. Or Bill Gates, motherfucker is doing other shit now. You don't just stay there and just like grind, 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 grind. 
and, you know, beat your head into the wall. You take what you've learned from sports cards, and there are a lot of valuable lessons you can learn. You know, how expensive it is to, or how low your margin is on some of this stuff. You know, God, maybe I need a better business idea than that. Maybe maybe buying and reselling products isn't a very good idea. It's low margin. Maybe a lot of things are low margin. It's a lot of work. I've got to have inventory. I've got to have a storefront. I've got to have an online site. Maybe I need something easier. I mean, I need something different. Or maybe I can pivot this into something different or a, a different type of business. Always need to be thinking about your next hit. And when you get some money and you make a little money on 2012 football, all of you guys should have put that money away. All of you, all of you guys would have bought Apple stock. You would have been made way more money than you have done group, doing group breaks. And you wouldn't have had to do a damn thing. You look at what Apple stock was in 2012 and look at what it is today. I think it had a 10 to 1 split or something like that as well. So yeah. you can factor that in. So all you guys, when you get some money from cards, nearby miracle, once in a decade draft class, or you, or you sell some single cards, please go save that money, invest that money, put that money away so that you can't touch it. Put a layer between you, whether that's in a bank account that you don't have a debit card for, whether that's in a stock, a bond, a treasury, uh, a mutual fund, whatever it is. Guys, there's fucking thousands of products out there. Again, the stock market is rocketed up, whatever, 100%. Since I've been kind of watching it, you know, it's a shame if none of you guys got that money. I, mean, I don't know what they're teaching or what, where you got, what part of the country you guys are in. But when I see the Dow Jones was at seventy eight hundred March two thousand eight or whatever, I mean, my dick got as hard as the fucking New York <laughs> New York casino because I wasn't no fool. I wasn't. Oh, geez, America's gonna fucking crumble and it's gonna be a. Are you really? You, you really believe that? You really believe that? I mean, come on, guys. You know, we have these little fucking terrorist groups. I guarantee you a fucking, they could put me in a fucking one of those helicopters. I could blast all these motherfuckers in 10 seconds. There ain't no threat to the fucking United States. And apparently some things are going over on Europe that the banks, oh, guess what, boy, boy, you know what happens when America was struggling? Boy, the fucking government just fucking started pumping in money. And look how it turned out. So some of these other, uh, some of these other places like Europe and some of these developing countries that are a little behind us, they're going to see that and they'll just suck shoving in the money. It's really not that complicated, guys. We're not talking about fucking sitting here and fucking taking stocks and shit. You can, you can play the ETFs. You can play the mutual funds. I think the only stock that I, like, picked was Twitter. And I'm not fucking whatever. I bought it at 35 Again, you can check right now what's at that. I really don't know. I'm 45 or something. I'm up over $10 a share on it, I'm assuming. I haven't looked at it. I'm keeping it till 70 Again, I, I said that last summer, and I'm saying that again. I will sell at 70 and then when I do that, I will get on this podcast and say, I told you so, guys. should have spent all the money that you spent going to the fucking Dusty Suites and bought shares of Twitter. And that's one stock. I've been loading up on oil stocks. I'm actually down a little bit. I might have to. I might have to reload. But I guarantee you, in my lifetime, oil will be at a hundred bucks a barrel. I'll go to my grave if that never happens. <laughs> so again, documented. A lot of motherfuckers. I say so and so's getting a license. This rumor. This rumor. Everybody. Oh, I heard that for months or whatever. Uh, again, I put my name on shit. So I don't know who you'd rather listen to. 
motherfuckers who butt kiss, who can't say anything negative about these companies because they might not get a sell sheet they can copy and paste, they might not get a checklist they can copy and paste, then that's all these people are good for. If they don't have a sell sheet, a fucking press release, or a, a checklist they can copy and paste, they can't do shit. I'll at least, when I hear a rumor, I'll check it out, I'll sniff it out, and I'll damn well put my fucking name to it. And again, NFLPA exclusive, I was the first person to document and put my name on that. CLC license, first person to document and put my name onto that. The me interested in getting with Dr. Deck, again, I put my name to that, and I haven't heard anything to the contrary. And no, we haven't been sued by Upper Deck yet. I'm still waiting for that. Just like <laughs> I'm waiting for all these group breakers, too, to sue me. Again, I graduated from one of the best schools in fucking California. You don't think I know what I can and can't put on my website? So that's why it's a little fucking comical and somewhat insulting when an employee who makes less than I do calls me and tells me to fucking pick something off my fucking website. Are you fucking kidding me? Maybe some of these little copy and paste artists would fucking crumble and and, and, and and do that for you and kick it down. That ain't gonna fucking happen here. Again, me and your host are from the fucking street. Again, Google is your friend. Stockton, California, S-T-O-C-K-T-O-N, California. One of the most dangerous motherfucking places in the country. Do you think we would have survived now 33 years if we couldn't sniff out bullshit from a fucking mile away? We would have been shot, dead, gone, cooked years ago, spending 20-plus years in one of the most dangerous cities in the United States. We can sniff out bullshit a mile away. So I don't need to be at the Tuscany Suites to know what's bullshit in the sports card industry or not. Again, if you're not from the fucking streets, maybe you're not able to sniff out bullshit and you'll get a press release, you'll get a sell sheet, you'll get a checklist. Say, oh my God, it's going to be the greatest product ever. Panini Tops Upper Deck are coming out with 28 products in the next 30 days. Do you think they give a fuck about you? If they gave a fuck about you, they should stop coming out with products the rest of the year and let you guys catch up. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> oh, and, and if you guys don't, and here's, this is real talk. If you don't think this is fucking a half bit, bit, I mean, you know, we're kind of Hollywood show, then come on, guys. We have to get worked up to, we have to get worked up a little bit and get the juices flowing a little bit to talk 45 minutes about sports cards, guys. So, yeah, we're playing this up a little bit. We're fucking playing it up to the hills a little bit. I'm in Vegas tweeting about cards. Okay. But I'm going to go home and live my life and, and, and figure out how I can make some money so I can save some money. Honestly. I'm not fucking balling with a Lamborghini. I'm trying to save damn near half of every dime that I get, to be honest. That's a big, that's been a big part of my life the last few years. When you get money, and especially when you're an entrepreneur and you have some success, 
and you get some money, put some money away. Absolutely. Put it so that you can't touch it. Especially in seasonal. It's sports cards is so seasonal, as we've seen. You might have great rookie classes every year in the NFL, but it's still seasonal. You might have like how it's been, where every four or five years it's a good class, or every two years stuck together it's a good class, but it's seasonal. And so you definitely need some breathing room, uh, especially, you know, if it's just one of you in an apartment in your front of your webcam breaking cards, probably not that big of a deal. But at some point, you're going to either get sucked in to have to go to a $10,000 VIP party. Maybe you will want to go to the industry summit, and that might cost you a 1000 bucks. You will have to s- step out. You might want to go to the national. Eventually, you're going to want to make some money. And it sure beats going broke there's there we don't even talk about like my br- brother said we kind of feel sorry for some of these people i could have a show i could put up a piece on my website and promote it and say ha 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 look at breakers this break this break this king of breaks this who doesn't break anymore the the list is a mile long oh, mile long guys So there's more guys on the side of the road dead, run over, than there is in the fast lane. And the sooner you recognize that, I'm assuming a lot of our audience obviously is just random collectors, but a portion of our audience are people that want to be in this business or are in this business. The sooner you recognize that nobody's driving in the fast lane in a Ferrari, there's some people doing doing okay, doing well. I've vis- I visited their corporate headquarters. I've seen the license plates and the make of car in the parking lot. People are doing yep. okay in this business, but it's not from opening packs. It's not from buying packs and reselling packs. It's not calling a distributor up and saying, "Hey, what do you got?" or answering an email and saying, "I'll take two cases." takes a lot more creativity than that. takes a lot more ingenuity than that. Well, it's a lot more diverse. It's single, you know, at, at Legacy Sports Cards, it was, it was single cards, it was online, it was packs, it was internet, it was all, it was a bunch of different stuff. They had magic cards, they had Beckett, their grading, you could come in and, and submit your cards to get graded. Right. There were a lot of people, who, you know, the door just kept a revolving door of people coming in, submitting cards to get graded. You know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of elements to it. You can't just, you know, and I asked a card shop owner the other day, I said, hey, um, what percentage of your sales are from new products that are coming, you know, new stuff from Panini Tops and Upper Deck? He said about half, but he said the problem is the margin is so low on those that it's better to sell fucking single cards, you know, at, at a smaller dollar amount because you're going to make more. Yeah, because you're only making ten, fifteen percent on these boxes and these packs. You're not make, really making any money. Um, you're making more money on the supplies, on the single cards, on the on the uh, you know extra stuff, other stuff that's not you know calling up your distributor and getting some boxes delivered. You're not going to make any money on those, and you're having to front off a whole bunch of money. You know, a cheap box nowadays is costing fifty, sixty dollars wholesale, at least. You know, that's a lot of money to front off, especially if the guy had, you know, a customer hasn't paid for it or it's just sitting on your shelf. It's a lot of money. All of a sudden, five, six, seven boxes, there's your rent for the month. In, in five or six boxes. Well, and they're coming out with, what'd you say, 30 products in the next two months. Two weeks. So, 
two months, excuse me, two months, 28 car. I, I counted it up. We still get emails from distributors. And I literally counted it up. I had to count it again. I counted it again. I counted it like four times. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And if the hobby shop owners can't afford it, no wonder there's so few and few collectors out there. Because I don't know. I know collectors out there that have good jobs, that are making money, that have nice homes, and have families, and can afford a few extra packs. But they can't afford 28 packs, 28 boxes in a 40-day, 60-day period. There's nobody out there that even a guy that's wealthy wouldn't spend his money that frivolously. His wife would slap him in the face. And it it goes back to how much does it cost you to acquire a customer. When the wife slaps him in the face and your whale leaves or your small whale leaves, there's no new whales to come in, guys. Because they can, these guys can sniff out this shit. They can, a collector can easily sniff out. Oh my God! There's 28 products coming out in the next two months. Hmm. Boy, do they really care about you? Is it going to be on card autograph? Is it going to be no redemptions? Is it going to be collectible stuff that you really want? And that even 30 days after, 60 days, 90 days after that set is still holding its value. It's still worth going to buying the boxes. There's very few sets like that. And a lot of it's times it's a set you don't even, you're not even aware of. Or that group breakers scoff at, a top series one, a top heritage. That can, you know, the value, the box doesn't tank $20 after it fucking comes out, like these high-end sets. It's all just a game. It's all just a gamble. I kind of saw why Legacy Sports Cards does well in Vegas. Because as one customer put it really well, well, shit, you could go put $200 in the Orleans and get nothing but maybe a free drink. And that's, when, when you have to compare sports cards to penny slots, I bet, boy, it's a, it's a, at least it's a step above penny slots. We're not talking about a very good investment, guys. I get a thrill off, I, I actually get a thrill when oil, when I bought some oil and then it changed even further. Boy, that just heightened my sense even further. I was like, ooh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it is going to go to $30 or $20 a barrel. Hey, Holy my. crap, that, then how much would I have to buy? That's kind of what I'm waiting for. I'm like scratching my head. Well, okay, I'm about even on it right now. If it goes down further, holy crap, I can wait till it really lays down and, and go all in. Because, again, at some point in my lifetime, oil will be $100 a barrel, period. So I'm trying to get as much as I can and then sell as close to 100 as possible or on the way up to that point. To me, that's, uh, and again, maybe that's not interesting people. And they, they want to open up cards and get Teddy Bridgewater plays for the Minnesota Vikings and Blake Bortles who plays for the, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And another thing, too, I know this Odo Beckham guy's really popular. He's got tremendous hands. Guys, again, we'll document this here. The New York media will pick him apart like they have every single other athlete that's ever played there, and his cards probably will be worth half as much as they are today. He's still in the honeymoon phase. Watch when he has a nagging injury, how they will crush him in the media. That's what happens in New York, guys. You get built up, they build you up, and then the media just pounces on you. That's why people don't like playing there, guys. Because the media is so intense, it's like white hot. They'll build you out, build you up, build you up. Like when Sanity just builds you up. And then they will take you down the minute you have a nagging injury, you drop a pass, you dog it on the field. One time you do that, and you're going to be all over Sports Center and Twitter and, and everywhere. 
They will destroy that guy. Please, if you pull an Odell Beckham card, sell it. Please, if you pull an Odell Beckham He is not Jerry Rice, guys. Come on. Wake up. He's playing in New York. He's playing in a great market. He's in Jacksonville, and he made that catch. Nobody would give a crap. But the New York media always tears people down. They did it to Reggie Jackson. They've done it to everybody, guys. Everybody who's played there. Except for maybe Joe Namath, but I don't know. They probably tore him down, too. Guys, they will come get you. They've already won Super Bowls, so there's nothing there that he could do that's going to, you know, really revel. They've won two Super Bowls with Eli Manning. Okay? So even if they won another Super Bowl and he makes some highlight catches, nobody's going to care, guys. They will tear him down the second he's at the club. Harding, they will tear him down. Sell, 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 sell. I, I guarantee you he's at the club. Um, and maybe that's where you'll be at later tonight. Well, you know, we're on for an hour. I know you've got Let's an incredible off, view of the strip since yeah, I booked a room off. for you and had to give you my ID. Um, yep. What's what's on tap? I know we've got the industry summit. Uh, like you said, Panini's pulling like a top. Tops used to roll into the industry summit like on Monday afternoon, and they used to be gone the next day. They didn't even have like a a booth as as uh, you know when when the industry summit actually had a show floor with booths. Uh, Tops wasn't participating in that. Um, What's going on the rest of the week? Maybe give the listeners a little idea. What's you I mean? The industry summit is a down, downsized, down, uh, down affair. But uh, maybe give everybody an idea what you uh, and the industry summit will be involved in uh, the rest of the week. Um, well, you know, I'm sure the, the I think the corporate presentations are on Tuesday, um, so probably Monday, Tuesday. You can kind of. Uh, keep your ears open and maybe there'll be some kind of announcement. I don't think I'll be hip to anything or scoop anything or um, <laughs> I don't really know anything. Again, I'm up 400% gambling. Again, that's docu- Again, that's documented that I'm up 400% um, uh, gambling. So, you know, I'm not going to be paying too much attention to it. That's why I kind of wanted to do this podcast today. We can kind of have our little fun. And we're, this is half Hollywood, guys. If you think I'm up here fucking with this incredible view, sitting here angry over sports cards. Half Hollywood guy, half entertainment guy. When you listen to the podcast, don't you want to be entertained? Would you like to come? Well, today, they had this uh, special Beckett uh, kind of tournament for grading, and you got to look at a card, and you had to look at the edges, and you had to determine if it was a 9 or or 9.5, and then later on, Kevin Isaacson was going to get... You really want me to do that, guys? You really want that? So I'm going to kind of Hollywood a little bit for you. I'm going to kind of fucking pump yourself up and, and kind of, you know, beat your chest a little bit. It's all part of entertainment, guys. All part of entertainment. And half of you, if half of you guys like me and half of you guys hate me, wow. Then I did really well. Really, really well. Because it's easy to get everybody to like you. Hey, uh, guys, could you go? Uh, I'm going to give away a box of top strata football. And if you go here and you like and you retweet and you and you link to me and you jerk me off, then uh, you have just a one in one thousand chance to win. But chances are, I'm just going to give it to somebody I like, anyways. But uh, anyways, I'm doing this contest, and uh, oh man, Tracy Hackler, that guy is such a great guy. And uh, wow, what a what a great guy! And tops, man, 
I, I love Tops, man. I mean, they just they've done just tremendous job. And and Tops, in fact, Tops Panini Upper Deck have done such tremendous job. It's coming out with 28 products in the next 30 days. I mean, there's so much demand for sports cards these days. But in the next 30 days, there's 28 products coming out, guys. So, well, I'm going to enjoy all of them. All of them are going to get a five star review from me. Uh, hopefully, they send me some. I mean, guys, really. This is, this is, you know, we got to kind of play it up, play Hollywood a little bit, you know, beat the chess a little bit. It's part of what got me banned from the Avengers Summit. The same Kevin Isaacson didn't really see through it. Uh, I guess doesn't know the entertainment, doesn't know the radio. But again, I went to the, one of the best schools in California. You think I, you think I would know what to say? What I can and can't put on my website? I don't know if some of you motherfuckers think I'm fucking retarded or something. But we have a pretty good clue on things. And it's funny how, you know, after five or six years, you're one of the few podcasts about cards still going. And it's funny. Every single day I've seen an email from a collector email. And, uh, and uh, you know, maybe you'll have to do a show just kind of responding oh, to all those emails that you get every I'm day. And again, I'm not on Yeah, you're way behind because I've, I've almost had to answer a few of them because I'm like, wow, motherfuckers listen to every show. And really seem to get a lot out of it. So you motherfucking cocksuckers, and I know who you are, are out there saying, oh, nobody listens to your podcast. You think you'd do it for five or six years if nobody listened? Maybe. <laughs> I am married now, so you have to take, you have to take, since I can't take uh, rendezvous to Vegas every six weeks like I used to, you have to take, uh, pleasure and joy where you can from in life well again hopefully hope and again there's a lawyer there's a lawyer listen listenership because there's a lot of people that email and i'm sure there's way more people that don't email so again i came on here half of this is just bullshitting hollywooding playing it up for the camera i hope i think a lot of you out there are smart enough to understand that but that's really kind of what we're doing half the time where, you know, it's a little bit of a show, it's a little bit of an act, but hopefully some of the ideas and some of the points come across. We are trying to be honest. We're trying to be straightforward. And honest. Again, we've had a shop. We've done the online thing. We've done all this shit. We've done it before. So none of this stuff, you know, none of this BS that these companies try to, uh, try to come at you, 28 products in 60 days. I mean, that makes 1990s cars look limited. <laughs> that, I mean, we it's can just good. leave it there. We can just leave it there. 28, there's no justification. None. Zero justification for 28 products in 60 days. There is no justification for that. So you can hate me all you want. You can say I'm bad for the hobby all you want. I'll just point you to the fact that there's 28 products coming out in the next 60 days. But just remember that before you hit, before you type the email out and you spend 30 minutes f wording me, f wording my brother, blah 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 blah. You didn't listen to how this is an act. You didn't listen to that we're kind of playing this up for showtime and all this shit. You didn't listen for some reason. You missed all that, and you still want to type out this haterade email. All I'm going to send you back is Panini Tops Upper Deck coming out with 28 products in the next 60 days, please respond to that before you send me an F-word email. So maybe that's why my panties get in a little bunch every once in a while when I think about the fact 
that there's dealers, there's group makers, there's collectors out there who are going to be subjected to 28 products in the next 60 days. It's funny how it's funny how that that doesn't get put out there more. The amount of products that are just going to get shoved out down your throat for the next 60 fucking days, 28 products. I still can't even wrap my head around that. And trust me, I counted it about five different times while I was sitting there watching the Giants that were getting blown out. I was at spring training. I counted, 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 counted. It's unbelievable. Definitely not good. Definitely a uh, sign of where things are. I believe Panini has some turn loans coming up in June. I believe uh, payments to the uh, royalty departments at the respective leagues are due uh, semi-annually. So those will be due in June. And so if there's any any reason behind uh, why all these products get pushed out, and a lot of them will probably get pushed back. And so we'll actually probably yeah. see, especially in the month of June, I remember last year was quite an eventful June, I believe, a um, lot of products get pushed, then get delayed, and then get all pushed back all at once because they need these products and they need to recognize the revenue um, in order to hit guarantees, in order to make payments to distributors and vendors and um, different types of things that all happen um, semi-annually. So... Should be an eventful uh, time. Should be a nice dilutive time if you've been collecting rookies and autographs and, and stuff of current players. It should get heavily diluted over the next two to three months. Thank you uh, for joining us, uh, Ryan. Any final words from Las Vegas, Nevada? Nope. I'm up 400% gambling, so documented. Thank you. Fair enough. Cool. Cool.